Turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Jude, the book of Jude, uh, for the most part. Um, as you're turning there, I know a bunch of jokes about umbrellas, but they just usually go over people's heads. So what's the danger when it rains cats and dogs? The biggest danger is you might step in a poodle. Got to be careful of those poodles. Amen. So last week we started to look in the book of Enoch, or the book of Jude, and and, uh, considering this man named Enoch. And in the book of Jude, he gives us a glimpse of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, in fact, he is the first person in all of Scripture to, um, to, to really prophesy and to talk about the second coming of Christ. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us a glimpse himself, and, and he says in uh, Matthew 24, he said, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So, you know, most people understand that we've had these events throughout history. But what Jesus was saying, what clarified it is verse 8. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And that word sorrows literally means birth pains or labor pains. And Jesus was warning us that when we see these signs, when they start coming in rapid succession like labor pains, that's when we need to get ready. Amen? That's when the end is near. And that's exactly what we've seen happening right before us. We're seeing outbreaks and pandemics like never before. You know, SARS and and monkeypox and uh, COVID. You know, we see all these things coming one right after the other in such rapid succession. That's what Jesus was talking about. Now, another glaring sign that we talked about on the end times, the Bible tells us, will be apostasy. And apostasy is that turning or falling away from truth and turning into deception, turning away from truth, turning towards deception. And when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, you know, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming? How will we know when the end is near? And the first thing Jesus told them, he said, take heed that no one deceives you. So deception and apostasy, they are big signs for the end times. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the end, the end times, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will not come unless the falling away comes first. And that falling away is apostasy. And we see that right before our eyes today. You know, less and less are going to church, less and less are concerned about truth. You know, you talk about Christ, you talk about the Bible, you talk about salvation and People don't want to hear about it. You know, we see this great falling away has already happened, and we're right in the middle of it. So this morning, God also gives us the book of Jude. And the book of Jude is a a book of warning. And he warns us about this coming apostasy and the apostates, especially in the end times. Verses 14 and 15, the book of Jude. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them 
of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So we started last week learning some things from this man Enoch, this godly man Enoch. And the first thing that we saw is talking about Jesus' second coming, is that it is a sure thing. It's a certainty. It is a sure thing. Bible tells us here that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. That means if we do the genealogy, if you go back into the book of Genesis, chapter 5, most boring reading you can, you can find, but it's important reading. It's historical. It's the genealogy of, of creation, of life. And you go through that genealogy, and you'll see that that Enoch lived with Adam and Noah. They were contemporaries. They all lived at the same time. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. In Genesis chapter 5, we, we read uh, God gives us that actual account, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That means Enoch did not see death. Enoch was raptured into heaven. God took him up into heaven. Now, Enoch, as we looked at last week, is symbolic of the church. It's important for us to, to see the symbolism in the Bible. Again, when we read the Bible, we look at the actual historical content. Then we need to understand what is the spiritual meaning. What is God saying here? This is a, you know, our God that we serve is a spirit God. His book, this is his word, it's a spiritual book. What is that spiritual message? Then once we find that spiritual message, how can I apply it to my life? Amen? So Enoch is symbolic of the church. He represents the church. He's a, he's a picture of the church. And as we saw that Enoch was taken up, that he was raptured into heaven... We, the church, will also be raptured and taken up into heaven by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we looked and saw that the Bible actually has five different raptures. The first is Enoch, as we saw in, in Genesis chapter 5. The second is that of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2. The Bible tells us that it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The third is that of Jesus Christ himself. After his crucifixion, after um, he appeared for 40 days uh, in Acts chapter 1, it says, Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two angels stood by them in white apparel who said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then we touched base, and there's two more uh, raptures to go. And that is, the next one will be the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God gives us a desc another description of that. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Why did the dead in Christ rise first? They have six more feet to go than we do. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that, that phrase caught up is where we literally get the word rapture. 
He, we who, uh, who, who remain shall be called up, shall be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That is the fourth one, and the final one is going to be during the tribulation period. Amen? We will already be raptured into heaven, and the earth will go through the tribulation period, and God will send two witnesses. And we read about them in Revelation 11. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Now that's going to be an incredible scene because they were actually dead. The world had, had persecuted them. They came preaching the gospel during the tribulation period. Nobody wanted to hear it. And the world and, and, and man just rose up against them and killed them right in the middle of the street. Let them lie there for three days. And then the Spirit of God entered their body and they were resurrected right in front of everybody. And then they were raptured up into heaven. An incredible scene that we'll see. So those are the five raptures that are in the scriptures. And again, Enoch, you know, he was the seventh generation from Adam. Seven means completeness. Enoch is also symbolic and represents the completeness of the church age. The church age started the moment Jesus was raptured. He ascended into heaven. And it continues until he comes and raptures the church home. That will be the length of the church age. And during that span, there are seven distinct periods or dispensations. Amen? And just as Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam, he represents the church, which is in the middle of the seventh dispensation or the seventh period of the church age. We, we are mere images of each other. Enoch's seventh generation represents that last period of the church age. And just as he was raptured, so will this last generation of the church age be raptured into heaven. It's important for us to know that. In Matthew 24, skipping down to the, verse 37. Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus warns us that the last days will also mirror Noah's days. Amen? Our nowadays are a mirror image of Noah's days. Amen? What were those days like? Well, they were days that were filled with evilness, days that were filled with violence, days that were filled with apostasy, days that were filled with apathy towards God. You know, just as Jesus described here, they were just going about their daily lives, not giving God a second thought. Most only cared about what they could get, what pleasure they could get out of life. They chose to ignore God's warnings as Enoch and, and Noah, they preached about repentance, but it just fell on deaf ears. But we can be absolutely assured that Jesus is coming and he is coming very, very soon. Amen. So the first thing we see about Jesus coming, it's a sure thing. It's also a sore thing. It's not only a sure thing, but it's also going to be a sore thing. Going back to Jude, our original text. 
Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. For what reason? To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Christ. So God is telling us very plainly that when Jesus comes this time, it's going to be to do what? To execute judgment. Amen? When Jesus comes the second time, it's to execute judgment. When he came the first time, he came as the Savior Jesus. When he comes the second time, he is coming as the sovereign judge. When he came the first time, he was that meek and mild lamb. When he comes the second time, he will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? He is coming to execute judgment upon sinners. The Bible says that we will all meet Jesus Christ. Amen? Regardless of what you choose to believe. It doesn't matter if you want to call yourself an atheist or this or that. It doesn't matter how you choose to believe. The truth is that we all have an appointment with Jesus Christ. Amen. Every single one of us. We're going to either meet him as our loving Savior or we're going to meet him as our vengeful judge. Philippians chapter 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We all have an appointment with Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? I pray that you bow down to him on this side of eternity. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Receive his, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace. If not, then you will bow down to him on the other side of eternity. Having rejected him as Savior and Lord, you're going to bow down to him in judgment and then be cast into the eternal lake of fire. That's the only two choices that we have. Amen? Bow down to Jesus on this side of eternity as our Savior and Lord, or we're going to bow down to him on the other side in judgment and in his wrath. You see, it's important for us to understand the severity of his judgment. Once we understand the severity of his judgment, then we can understand why he hasn't come yet. You know, people who like to mock Christians and mock the Bible, they're like, ah, you, you Christians have been saying Jesus has been coming for decades, for years. We have. Matter of fact, Enoch started back in the book of Genesis talking about Jesus coming again. But we need to understand it's the severity of the judgment as why he hasn't come back yet. You see, God's heart yearns for all of us to come and receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen? That is God's heart desire. In 2 Peter chapter 3, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, 
but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. Amen? And that's exactly God's desire. He says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus has not come again because God's desire is for as many as possible will come to Christ. His desire is to see all of us saved. That's why he hasn't come yet. His long-suffering, his patience, he is waiting for that last soul to come to Jesus Christ. It's important to us to see this truth is also illustrated and symbolic in Enoch as well. Amen? Enoch had a son, and his son was named Methuselah. <laughs> I wouldn't name my son that, but he did. Named his son Methuselah. And what's important that in Bible times, names had very, very specific meanings. Amen? You know, today we pick a name because it sounds good. We like the way it sounds, right? But in Bible times, they picked a name that meant something. It meant what was going around them. And Enoch had a son. He named his son Methuselah. Now, Methuselah's name, it literally means when he is dead, it shall be sent. When he is dead, it shall be sent. What shall be sent? The flood. Talking about the flood. Amen? God gave Enoch a special revelation. God revealed to Enoch his plan of judgment. He told Enoch that when his son Methuselah dies, that's when he is going to send the flood to judge sin. Now, if you go back in your Bible, you go back to Genesis 4 and 5, and you go through the genealogies and calculate the years, you're going to see that the same year, that Methuselah died is the same year that the flood came. When he is dead, it shall be sent. Now, I want to make sure you, you, you see this and understand what we're talking about here. We're talking about God's long-suffering and his patience. Why Jesus hasn't come yet. And we see it again in Methuselah. Methuselah was also the oldest person ever recorded in Scripture. Methuselah lived 969 years. Oldest man recorded in the Bible, 969 years. This is another picture of God's mercy and His grace. God allowed Methuselah to live that long in order to let mankind repent before the flood was sent. God was trying to be patient, his long-suffering. He wanted to give mankind as much time as possible. He wanted to give them every chance to come and repent of their sins and receive salvation. All pictured in Enoch and his son Methuselah. But as we know, God's long-suffering, his patience ran out. Methuselah died, and judgment came. We need to understand that our days are numbered as well. One day soon, his mercy is going to give way to his judgment. Amen? 
And in those days, most people, you know, they mocked God's prophets. When they spoke about Jesus' second coming, they talked about God's judgment just like they do today. Going back to 2 Peter. Chapter 3. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We need to understand that we are in the end times. We are living in those last days in which the raging waters of God's wrath and his judgment are pounding furiously against the dam of his mercy. Amen? And one day soon, that dam of mercy is going to give away to his wrath. And his judgment is going to be poured out on all of those who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. The second coming of Christ is an absolute sure thing, and for those who are unsaved, it's going to be a sore thing. And lastly, his second coming is also a saint thing. Let's go back to Jude. said that Enoch prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Who was a saint? It's every born-again believer. Amen, you and I. We are all saints of God. Every single person who trusts in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord is a saint of God. And God is telling us here that when Jesus comes... He's coming with ten thousands. I want you to notice something there. It's plural. It doesn't say ten thousand saints. It says ten thousands of saints. The picture that God has given us is, is that it's going to be a number too large to count. Jesus, when he comes a second time, is coming with every born-again believer. Ten thousands of his saints. Now, I want to clarify that the second coming of Christ really happens in two parts, so that we're not getting this confused. The first part is the rapture. That's when Jesus comes for us. Amen? He doesn't physically step on the earth. We are caught up, we are raptured, and we meet him in the air, and he takes us back into heaven. Amen? That's part one is the rapture. Part two is the actual revelation of Jesus Christ. That's when we come with him. Amen? Just as Enoch uh, described here, as he executes judgment. 
So the first part is the rapture at the beginning of the tribulation. You go through the seven years of tribulation. Then at the end of the tribulation is the second coming, the revelation of Jesus Christ, when we will come with him as he executes judgment. God gives us some uh, insight. Uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, all the saints, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Book of Zechariah also gives us some insight. Chapter 14, skipping down to verse 4. And in that day, this is his literal second coming, the revelation. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee, as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah." Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. Colossians chapter 3. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Over and over we see that God is telling us that at his second coming, we will be coming with him when he executes judgment. At the rapture, Jesus comes for us, and he takes us up into heaven just as he did Enoch. Those who are not saved, they're going to be left behind. They will have to go through that seven years of literal hell on earth, the seven-year tribulation in which God pours out his wrath upon those who are unsaved, those who rejected Christ. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus will come at his second coming, and we will come with him as he pours out his wrath and his judgment at the Battle of Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon occurs at the end of the seven-year tribulation as Jesus comes the second time. And that judgment will be upon the Antichrist. It's going to be upon all the apostates and all the unsaved, all that chose to reject him as Savior and Lord. The battle of Armageddon, Jesus will wipe out Antichrist's army. And then he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And there he's going to reign for a thousand years, known as the millennium, the millennial reign of Christ. He's going to reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years, and guess who's going to be with him? You and I. Amen. The Bible made it clear when Jesus comes and he raptures us up that we will never leave his side ever again. When he comes the second time, we're going to come with him. When he sets up his kingdom, we're going to be right there with him. Amen. And it's my prayer that you are always with him and not against him.